Merry Christmas, everyone. How are you guys doing this morning? Glad to have you guys in church today. We want to open up by reading from the Christmas story, from the birth of Christ. This is Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Was 
And in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. If you could stand with us this time for a time of worship. Alleluia. Alleluia. Christ the Savior of the world, He has come.
In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth and peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondered them in her heart, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them.
guys can be seated this morning. Glad to have everyone here this morning. What a great day it is that we do every year. We celebrate the birth of our Savior. And I, I know that there are many visitors, uh, family and friends of members here. We just thank you guys for being here. What a great day for you to come to church. We want to welcome you here to Living Word Church. So this morning, I want to talk about the title of my message this morning is The, the Three Responses to Christmas. The three responses to Christmas. And what we'll do is, before I get into the word, I just want to pray and ask the Lord to help me to communicate and help us all to receive God's word. Lord, we come before you this morning, and what a great day it is to celebrate, to take a day aside to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus. And Lord, I ask that you would be with us this morning. I ask that you would speak through me. Holy Spirit, I I need your guidance and your help to deliver your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us all to be ready to receive what it is that you would want to speak to our hearts. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Everyone says amen. Amen. You know, everyone has their typical response to Christmas or, or their view of Christmas. There's different views that people have about Christmas. and But the Christmas, the celebration of Christmas is one of, one of the most celebrated holidays around the world. But people celebrate it for different reasons. Some, some people, they celebrate Christmas because it's tradition, because it's a time for family to gather, and, and you have big feasts, and, and, and uh, it's just a great time of family and friends and celebration. Some people celebrate Christmas, and it's all about Santa Claus. It's about, it's about a fat man in a red suit that somehow mysteriously slides down chimneys and gives gifts to all the good people. Remember last year at Christmas, I preached a Christmas message and said that Santa leaves out all the bad people at Christmas. It really is true. Um, So for some people, that's what Christmas is all about. It's about Santa. For some, again, it's about traditions and family. But for us as believers in Jesus Christ, Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. And whether or not we had all of the surroundings and the trimmings of the holiday season, as believers, we would celebrate the incarnation. We would celebrate the reality that God sent his son to the earth to die for us. Matthew 1.23 says this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So with or without the Christmas season, with or without the gifts, with or without the trees and the lights, as believers, we should always celebrate the birth of our Savior Jesus. So when we're thinking about responses to Christmas, when we're thinking about three responses to Christmas that we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 2, not everyone responds the same to Christmas, but for sure not everyone responds the same to Jesus. Because that's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about Christ, and the gospel message is about Christ. And so not everyone responds the same to Jesus. And when we look at Matthew chapter 2, we're going to see that things are going to be fast-forwarded here. We we read in Luke chapter 1 this morning about the birth of Christ. Now we're going to fast-forward to the story of the Magi. We're going to look at three different groups of people. We're going to look at at the Magi who came to worship. We're going to look at the scribes and the chief priests. And then we're going to look at Herod. And each of those groups, each each of those people had different responses to Jesus. Not to Christmas, 
but to Jesus. Three different responses to Jesus. So let's look at Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read this section. Matthew 2, 1 through 18. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he uh, inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, this is from the prophet Micah, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it arose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into, into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there till I tell you, For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all in that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled that was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. So there's three responses in this dramatic account. After the birth of Christ, the wise men seeking to find the the, the king that is born of the Jews. And the interaction with the scribes and the Pharisees and of Herod. We we see three responses to Christmas, or better stated, three responses to Christ. And the first one is this. The first response to Christ is hostility. It's hostility. And these three responses that we're going to see, as we're going to go through them in Matthew 2, are the same three responses that people have had since then, and will continue to have as long as we have life on earth, as long as the gospel is preached. These three responses will be responses that people have to Christ. The first one we see is hostility. Herod was an evil king. Herod, Herod was called the king of the Jews. And he took that title with pride to be the king of the Jews. He was, he was used by the Romans to kind of to herd and shepherd the nation of Israel to keep them in one place. But he was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. He was a pagan. And he was an evil king. You know, it's said of Herod that because he was so evil, he knew that when he died... There would be no mourning in Jerusalem. So what he did was, he ordered that at the moment of his death, that, he would have th- that they would have 3,000 leaders of Jerusalem killed 
on the same day so that mourning would actually take place in Jerusalem the day that he died. This is the nature of the man. And when, you, and when we see this story with Herod, he gets the news, gets the news from these wise men that have come from the east, the Magi, and, he, and they come to Herod and they say, hey, 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 king, have you heard about a king of the Jews that's been born in Bethlehem? And all of a sudden, you can imagine his interest is peaked because he's the king of the Jews. He's the one that's in charge. He's the egotistical king that likes power and authority and control. And so his interest is peaked. But he wasn't interested for the reason that he gave. What, what did Herod say? He says, he says, won't you go find out where the king is so that I too may come to worship him? You know, the intention of his heart was not to come and worship Christ. The intention of his heart was to make sure that Christ, this new king of the Jews that was born, would not overtake his throne. So he was hostile to the news of Jesus. Herod was threatened at the news that a king of the Jews had been born. He did not receive the greatest news of all time correctly because the news was going to impact his agenda. The news was going to impact his agenda. Herod's response represents those who were unwilling to submit to God's authority. And this is what happens when people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ about the incarnation of Christ. He came to die, to take our place, to be our substitute, to pay the punishment for our sins. And whenever people hear that news, sometimes they don't respond correctly because a a correct response is submission to the authority of God. It's, It's submission to God in his ways, in the way that he has established things. And so for Herod, that was the natural response that he had. But for some other people since then... It is that same response. It's hostility. It's, no, I'm not going to submit to a king. I'm the only king of my life. I'm the captain of my ship. I do what I want to do. I live how I want to live. Nobody can come and tell me how to make decisions for my life. Most certainly not God. That's the first response that most people have. But you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ requires a total denial of self and a surrender to God and his ways. When Jesus walked the earth, this is what he talked about. If you remember, Jesus said this in Mark chapter 8, 34 through 38. He says this, Jesus said this, the king of the Jews born in Bethlehem said this. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, that means if anyone would follow me, let him do what? Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. Herod, you want to save your life. You want to save your power. You want to save your authority. If anyone would hold on to their power, their authority, their life, what does Jesus say? If anyone would hold on to their life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, lays down his own agenda, lays down his own authority, lays down His life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? Herod, what does it profit you to gain the whole world? Power, authority, and forfeit your own soul. For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of of his father with the holy angels. It's powerful. It's the truth of the gospel. That a core truth of the gospel is that when we come to the gospel, we don't come on our own terms. 
We don't come on our own terms to the king born of the Jews. The king of the Jews born in Bethlehem. We don't come and say, I want it my way. The gospel says that we come and we must surrender and lay down and say, Lord Jesus, my life is yours. I don't belong to myself. You are my creator and my God and I surrender to you. The core of the gospel message is this, is that Jesus was born to die. To take our place, to be our substitute, to take the punishment we deserve. You see, Herod didn't get it right. Herod didn't understand. Herod didn't know. He's thinking the king of the Jews is born to take his place. But what he didn't realize is that the king of the Jews was really born to take his place. To die on the cross for his sins. The king of the Jews, he was thinking that the king of the Jews was born to take his position and his power. But what he didn't understand was that the king of the Jews, Jesus, was more powerful than Herod had ever been. Because he was God eternal. God in the flesh. The core of the gospel is that Jesus was born to die. And at the core of a proper response, when we think of hostility as a response, at the core of a proper response to the gospel, it's self-denial. Not my way, Lord. Not my plans. You alone are king. Herod was unwilling to respond to Christ in that way. And still today, maybe even still in this room, people are unwilling to surrender to Christ as king. So the first response is hostility. The second response we see in Matthew chapter 2 is indifference. Indifference. Let's go back to the text, Matthew 2, 3 through 6. Let's see this indifference, this response of indifference by the scribes and chief priests. It says, when Herod the king heard this, the news of the king of the Jews, the Magi had come and communicated this to Herod. So Herod heard this and he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, and and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So this response for me is one of the most shocking. I understand when people are hostile towards God because by nature we're sinful. Humanity is sinful by nature. We're born with the propensity to to sin. We're born with a tendency from our forefathers, Adam and Eve. We're all born with a desire to rebel against God naturally. So I get the hostility of Herod and all those throughout history who are are hostile towards God. But the indifference of the chief priests and the scribes really is shocking. And why is it shocking? Because the chief priests and the scribes, let's let's look at a text here, Matthew Matthew 23, uh, verse 1 through 3 says this. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees, or, and the chief priests would be included in that number, sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach but do not practice. So, so, so the, the, the chief priests and the scribes, they sat on Moses' seat, and that was a picture of being the overseer over the law of God. The law came from God through Moses, and so the chief priests and scribes were called to be experts in the law, experts in Old Testament prophecy. And so get the picture. Let's follow this. Herod comes to the people he was supposed to come to. He was supposed to go to the chief priests and scribes because everyone knew, the Jews knew, Herod knew. All around Jerusalem, the Jews knew there would be a coming Messiah. And so Herod went to the experts who should have known. And did, and did they know? 
They knew. They quoted the Old Testament. They quoted the Old Testament Micah. They quoted the Old Testament prophet Micah. And Micah said, yes, in in, in Bethlehem, there's going to come a king that will shepherd his people Israel. But do you know that nowhere in this account do we read that the chief priests and scribes did anything? They weren't like the Magi, who eventually will see worship the king. They weren't hostile at that moment towards Jesus, but they did nothing. They did nothing. They were, they were indifferent. And that, that word indifference, it, it, it can be translated, it means a lack of interest, concern, apathy, nonchalance, lack of enthusiasm. All the Jerusalem, it says, was in an uproar. Why was Jerusalem in an uproar? Because the Magi came and said, hey, there's a king of the Jews that is born in Bethlehem. And so the word is spreading. It's going all around. And people are like, is it true? Is it really true? Is this the time? Is this the time of the Messiah? And the chief priests and the scribes knew the prophecies. They knew that the king would be born in Bethlehem and they did nothing. They were apathetic. People can grow indifferent towards Christ. And this is what I believe happens because of the distractions of life. And just like the chief priests and scribes, I believe they were distracted in their field of expertise. And if you look through the Gospels, you see Jesus, as we read in Matthew 23, condemning the system that they had perverted in the New Testament. They perverted the law and made it into something it should not be. They made, it, they made extra rules and regulations. And they were so distracted by their, by their expertise that they couldn't stop and give the proper response. Even check to see. Maybe it's false. Have you ever heard news that you think is just too good to be true? What do you do? You investigate. You pull out your phone. You Google, right? You pull out your phone. You Google. You say, this can't be true. It really cannot be true, right? You at least investigate. But we have no reference that they investigated anything. John 5, 39 through 40 says this about the chief priests and the scribes. It says, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come that you may have life. They refused to come. Even in the beginning when they first heard the news, they refused to come. Indifference. We're so busy. Some people today, they're so busy with their life. They're so busy with their job. They're so busy with their career, their family, their, 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 their pleasure. All of the things that, that this life has has to offer, and not all of it is bad, but, but when it becomes a distraction from you properly responding to the king of the Jews, to the king of the world, to the savior of the world, it's the wrong response. Indifference. I don't have time. I don't have time to go and check it out. You know what's interesting about indifference, though? With these men, the scribes and the Pharisees, the chief priest, the indifference eventually turned to hostility. The indifference turned to hostility. Matthew 26, 57 through 59 says this. Then those who had seized Jesus, this is when he was being arrested, led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priest and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they may put him to death. The indifference we see in Matthew 2 ended up in hostility in Matthew 26. And they crucified the king of the Jews. They crucified their own king. The Messiah came to save them and to save the world. At the core of the gospel is a savior who sacrificed his own way. 
his own agenda for our sake. And so when we see the gospel message, when we see the message of Jesus Christ who was born to die, born to take our place, we can't be indifferent towards that message. We have to say, Lord, is it true? God, did you really send your son? Did he really die? Did he really rise on the third day? At minimum, at minimum, if you're here today and you don't believe in all of that and you think it's just like the story of Santa Claus, at minimum, it's worth you not being indifferent but seeking the truth, pursuing the truth. Is it true? Is it true that I can be free from the guilt and the shame that I carry about every day in my life? Is it true that I can be free from the depression that the enemy uses to to be a cloud over my life every day? Can I really be forgiven and whole? Is it really true? Indifference will rob you of, of that truth. At the core of the gospel is a savior who sacrificed his own way, who was not indifferent towards us. And at the core of a proper response to the gospel is a laying down of our own agenda. The scribes and the chief priests were unwilling to seek further knowledge concerning a king born in Bethlehem. And still today, people are indifferent concerning the greatest news humanity has ever received. It's sad, but true. Indifferent, too busy, distracted by the things of the world. The last response we see, and we get it from a place that we really don't think we should get it from. We get it from Magi. We get it from, from men who are pagan. We get it from men who follow the stars to try to find truth. They, 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 these magi somehow had come under the influence of the nation of Israel when the nation of Israel was in captivity in, ba- in Babylon. And do you remember Daniel was considered a, a wise man because he was able to interpret the dreams of the, of, of the king? But the, but the wise men, the magi, could not interpret it. And Daniel came in, and, and Daniel influenced the wise men. And the nation of Israel influenced these magi, these wise men, to believe in the one true God, that there was a one true God, that it wasn't a multiplicity of gods, but there was a one true God. And these magi, they produce for us the proper response. Not the scribes and Pharisees who should have responded in worship. And, that, and that's our third response. It's, it's, it's simply worship it's worship it's worship go back to Matthew 2 now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king behold the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying where is he who has been born king of the Jews for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him and so what's interesting here is that these magi were being pursued by God They were looking to the stars for truth and God began to direct them through the stars. And they were seeking after the truth of the one true God. They heard the news that a king had been born in Bethlehem. And so they go to Jerusalem, which which is where they would think they would find the answers. And I just want you to know that worship begins with seeking. Just like the Magi, worship begins with seeking. It begins with with the desire to know the truth. The wise men came to Jerusalem seeking to find the king of the Jews so they could worship him. Worship begins with the desire to know the truth. If we're going to have the proper response to Christ the king, we must have a desire to know him. Do you desire to know him? Do you, do you, do you desire this morning to know Christ the king? Do you have a burning desire in your heart that supersedes all of maybe the hostility you have because of life circumstances, all of the distractions of this life? Do you have a desire to know him? 
if you do seek after him. This is why we're here today, is that we want to seek Jesus. Worship begins with a a desire to know the truth. And unfortunately, the Magi, in their seeking the truth, Jerusalem had no answers. Hostility and indifference was all that could be found in Jerusalem. What's interesting is, is that God gave the Magi the star, okay, brought them to Jerusalem, and then they didn't know where to go. They didn't know where to go. Well, well, okay, we're going to look around, but we heard in Bethlehem, but we don't really know where to go. The star had seemingly ceased. But what happened next? This is one of the most amazing details right here. Something happened that was amazing. Let's go back to the text, Matthew 2, 9. So they talked to the king. The king says, I don't know, but I'm going to go to the experts. The experts said, yeah, it's true. They're going to be there. Jesus is over here in Bethlehem. The prophet Micah said so. And after listening to the king, it says there, they went their own way. And look at those two words. And say it with me. Behold. What does behold mean? It means look. It means, well, I got, there, there's good news. Look, this is amazing. You need to, to take a look, look up, take a glance. And behold, the star that they had, and the word had is past tense. The star that they had seen when it rose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So, so they were seeking the truth that the Lord had pursued them on. And then they got to Jerusalem and then God says, okay, now you're looking for the answers. There's, there's nowhere to be found in Jerusalem. Here, right over here. Go look. Here's where Jesus is. I don't know. You guys aren't excited about that as I'm excited about that. But you know what that shows me about God? Is that God was the first seeker. God's seeking them. God's drawing them. God's leading them. Do you remember back in the book of Romans chapter 1? What does it talk about? Creation. It says that creation declares that there is a God. And so some people will say, I'm hostile towards this idea of God because God doesn't make sense. This world is in chaos. I'm indifferent towards God because because I, I just can't believe that it's true. But you know what the Bible says in Romans 1? It says that when we look at creation... That there is no excuse that we should have to believe that there is no God. It says that God has made it obvious and has made it plain. And in that way, God is seeking humanity. The Bible also says in the book of Psalms that only a fool would say in his heart there is no God. Looking at creation, looking at the stars, the sun and the moon and how everything is perfectly aligned. And how the earth is perfectly balanced. A little closer to the sun... Off the axis and we're going to burn up. A little closer to the moon and we're all going to be Eskimos, right? It's perfectly balanced for human life. Creation declares the obvious revelation of a God that pursues and seeks after us. Is he wanted us to know that he was real. He pursued us and revealed himself to us. So that we would seek him. So that we would seek him. And what's beautiful about the Magi is that they sought him. And they got to the place of seeking him, and then the Lord rewarded them and says, there he is. Here's the star again. It's over this house. It's over this house. Go and worship. Jeremiah 29, 12 through 13 says this. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. And you will seek me and find me. When will you find God? When when will you find Christ? When you seek me with all of your heart, not with, not with indifference, 
hostility, but whenever you lay your heart out and you say, Lord, I, I don't have all the answers to all the questions of this life, but I know that there is a God. I look all around me and the obvious, the obvious, decla- obvious declaration of creation declares to all of us there is a God and I'm seeking to know who you are and what you've done on, on our behalf. And that seeking will be rewarded. Hebrews eleven six says this, and without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God, seek God, must believe that he, that's where, that's where it starts. It's, it's okay if you're here today and you don't have it all figured out. You got to start right here. You have to believe that God exists. You believe that he exists and you, you seek after him. Lord, reveal yourself to me. The Magi didn't have it figured out yet, but they figured it out when they got to that house and they saw the king, they saw the glory and they fell down and they worshiped. You must believe that he exists and that he does what? Rewards those who seek him. God has, from the beginning, been a seeker. He pursues us. He reveals himself to us. He places the star of his reality over many different places. You guys follow me this morning? He places the star of his hand over many different places in your life. And I want you, specifically those of you here this morning that are struggling this morning during Christmas, in the middle of your suffering, the star is there. It's bright. He's there. He knows. He sees. God is not indifferent towards you. And if your suffering and your pain and your trial and your struggle is the reason why you're not pursuing God and seeking after the truth of Jesus Christ, please let me tell you this morning that God sees and he knows and he is compassionate towards what you go through. The Bible says that that we have a high priest, which is Jesus. We have a high priest that is acquainted with our weaknesses, with our pain and with our suffering. It also says in scripture that, that Jesus was tempted in every way that we have been tempted yet without sin. He is loving. He is compassionate. And in the middle of your pain, the star shines the brightest because you're at a position where you, where you, you say, I have no hope. I don't know where else to look. And the Lord is saying, behold, behold, look, the star has moved. The star has moved. It's here. Look. In the middle of your pain, in the middle of your suffering, in the middle of your questions, the star is moved and God's pursuing you, but he's wanting you to take that step and to move as the Magi did, to go to pursue the knowledge of Christ. How were the Magi going to respond? The question is, how will you respond when the light of Christ shines in your heart? I love the response of the Magi. Matthew 2, 10 through 11 says this. When they saw the star, this is, what, this, is, this is what happened. Behold, the stars moved. It's shining on the house. And when they saw it, that same star that had brought them to Jerusalem, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down. What does it mean, they fell down? What, what does that mean? That means surrender. When you're in the presence of God Almighty, you don't stand on your feet. You fall down in worship. They fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. How did they respond? They responded with exceedingly great joyful worship. Exceedingly great 
joyful worship is the only proper response when we see Christ. Did you hear me this morning? Exceedingly great joyful worship is the only response when you see Christ. It's the only proper response. How can we be indifferent in worship? How can we be indifferent when we see Christ, his beauty, his majesty, the reality of who he is and what he's done on on our behalf? That we used to be dead in our trespasses and sins. We used to be alienated from the life of God. But because of what Christ did on our behalf, when we will place our faith in Jesus as Savior, we can be forgiven. We can be cleansed. We can be made, as it says in 2 Corinthians, new creations. The old can be gone. Some of you are thinking, I can't wait for the, for, for the new year. Can't wait for the new year to turn over a new leaf. I'm here to tell you, leaf-turning religion will fail you all the time. Will fail you all the time. It's not about turning a new leaf. It's about being made brand new. You can try to, amen, about being made brand new. You can try to turn your leaf every day. I'm going to try hard enough to be a different person, to work hard enough to prove myself to God, to prove myself to other people. But if you would just simply surrender your all, lay down the hostility, push back from the indifference, and come with exceeding great joy to the king of the universe. Fall down and worship him. Offer him your gifts of worship. When we come into his presence, when his light shines on us, that's the only proper response. I want to close with this, 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 6. I love this session of scripture. In light of what we have studied here this morning, it says this. The Apostle Paul says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, lowercase g, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing what? the star, the light, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim, what I proclaim here this morning is not myself, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. I love this. Picture the magi. Picture the star. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of who? Jesus Christ. The star shines upon the face of Jesus Christ. And that's where we come and we worship. Amen. Just stand your feet with me. And we're going to end this service, this special celebration of Christmas, the birth of Christ. We're going to end it doing what the Magi did. You guys want to end it with me as we do what the Magi did? Let's worship the risen Savior this morning.
Oh